welcome to the Dorkiest Timeline Podcast. It's, I think it's kind of like the, the tangent of the two fanboys and one filthy casual podcast. My name is Krija. My name is Dennis. This is Lewis. And my name is Harold. And now we're just going to have a new a talk about them. I don't know how to do this. Well, you know, it's one of, one of the things I like about our podcast that it's just something random every single every single week. It's not just like, you know, video games and or video games, as, as we always say. Yeah, that's but, video. Uh, I, think, I, I think I'm pretty excited about our topic today because Kershaw's, you know, Kershaw kind of um, listened to our last episode, which is rare, um, and she actually <laughs> thought it was interesting, at least one portion of it. So she wanted to talk about it. Yeah, it, it really was interesting. And I do have to apologize for not listening to the whole episode. You guys talked about video games and and I'm not too keen on that. That's not my thing. And that's why you joined us here today, because we talk about other things. Um, and in that last episode, you guys mentioned the the question. You guys brought up the question, why not us, in regards to Filipino American History Month and Fili- Filipino Americans. And as Filipino Americans, I've said that so many times already, um, it, it's a great question to bring up. So I, th- I I think we all agree that it was something that we should discuss. Yeah, here. for the people who may be just tuning in, and I've heard that there are actually people who just tune in for the Dorcas timeline, just so you know. I know at least five people so far. That I'm not even that. surprised at oh, that. Oh, hi. You know? So, Welcome. yeah, if you're one of those five that I talked to, um, be happy it's that time of the month, which is rare that, that people say that. Well, we've other. never had that joke <laughs> pop up ever. That's the first time that sentence has ever been said, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But um, for, for those people who uh, may have not heard the last episode, we, were, we, we kind of touched upon the idea that it is, um, you know, Filipino-American History Month. Um, and yes, I have to say it like that, or else I, I might say the other word and people might get angry at us. You might get canceled. Though. I, I might get canceled. Yes. Um, and I'll have like posts galore uh, on Facebook, you know, but, um, you know, one of the things that we kind of talked about is that our experiences are completely different, but it's not just our experiences as uh, as individuals, but as Filipino Americans as a whole, um, you know, our experience is different. And I think Harold um, kind of, you know, started kind of giving examples last time, you know, uh, whether it's our... You know, whether it's through movies, whether it's TV, you know, there is an underrepresentation of Filipino Americans. And one of the things that we realize is that, you know, why exactly is that? Why not us? And that's where the the question came out. So, who wants to start with uh, start us off here? Um, well, I'll start off because I think, like Dennis already premised and and Kurt already mentioned. So, last episode, if you missed it, we were talking about our background and like one of the facts that Harold brought up was the fact that Filipino Americans uh, account for the second largest Asian population here in America. Yet, yet, if you have your finger on the pulse of like pop culture, obviously you can't, you know, everybody's talking about anime, K-pop, uh, you know, Squid Games on Netflix is like the most binge show ever. Um, you know, everybody is trying Korean barbecue or everybody's going for ramen or everybody has their favorite ramen spot or their boba spot. And it begged the question at the time, like, why isn't Filipino culture in that same conversation? Like, why aren't there... I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to throw, uh, throw it out there. Like, why aren't there like Filipino American martial arts movies that's talked about the same vein as like 
the raid or those kind of or 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 Ongbak, uh, 10 15 years ago when every single you know uh, martial arts movies is pretty much using filipino american absolutely arts. that's yeah. what kills me too so uh, i mean filipino that, martial arts right yeah. or or why don't we have like that breakout bt i mean i, I don't think anybody's going to touch bts how dare but, you <laughs> <laughs> But like, why isn't there like a breakout Filipino group that like everybody's fawning over? So yeah, that's that basically is like, why not us? Because like we all, it almost feels to me, uh, maybe, maybe of course I'm biased because I'm in that experience, but like, it feels like we're right at the cusp of it or we're almost always tangentially part of it. Like right. we're in the peripheral. Right, of the like, background. Right, yeah. or even speaking of background, like if, if you watch a BTS or like one of these awesome K-pop videos, like there's a Filipino dancer. Yeah, and right? they're choreographed by Filipino. <laughs> right, or like Dennis said, like these these martial arts movies, even like the mainstream superhero movies, like they're using Filipino stunt uh, coordinators. Go, exactly, and they're using FMA. They're they're using Filipino martial mm-hmm. arts. So why isn't it like we don't have that uh, that 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 presence? I guess in 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 mainstream culture. So yeah, it really does beg the question. Like I, I I'm gonna defer to better thinkers the, the other people in this room and on the computer uh because i really it, it really begs the question like it, it boggles my mind almost so yeah it's i i really don't have an answer for it like are we just um like uh, are we are we just quiet but i don't feel like it um are we just not in the industries but again i don't think so but so yeah it, it really makes you scratch your head like why isn't it that we are more we're not more um out there i guess or more mainstream um controversy you know i think this is going to be a controversial topic to be honest with you um you know we, we joked around about the idea of getting canceled you know whatever our answer is going to be it's going to be you know, we, we have to understand everybody has to understand this is personal experience yeah you know this is what we believe um, i have to tell you um i think one of the reasons why is because um you know if you ever listen to like um you know uh, travel people like Tony Bourdain or mm-hmm. or Andrew Zimmern, one of the very first things that they were always going to say is how friendly the Filipinos are, how friendly Filipinos are. And you all know that this is true. Like Filipinos are the most, you know, uh, caring and welcoming. the most welcoming and they will give you everything on, you know, every anything and everything so that you can be welcomed. And I think, unfortunately, that is the type of country and that's the time of culture we have become now we're talking about filipino american of course filipino american completely different from you know the filipino experience of course but we get our experiences like personally i have a lot of you know my personality who i am is really based on how i grew up in the philippines Mm -hmm. and one of the things that i was taught growing up is i you know is that um getting along with everybody is important you know um going with the flow you know um learning how to be accepting of other cultures you know one of the things that i mentioned last episode was that growing up i didn't really know my filipino history or my 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 language itself it was secondary um i grew up being groomed to go here to america you know and if you think about the filipino experience right now what is the number one export of the philippines uh it is you know um it is like uh, workers um Mm. going to different places and their caregivers you know it's they're 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 giving of themselves and i think that's one of the things that happens is that um, when we get here to the Philippines, we're so used to it that we don't necessarily have that identity of Filipinos. Yeah. You know, like um, that's one. 
The second one is, and Harold kind of touched upon, and I'm hoping Harold's still alive over there because we haven't heard Harold at all. But one of the things that we were talking about is, you know, Harold, Louis and I were talking about, oh, you know, Filipino. We were talking about Tagalog, Tagalog, Tagalog. And, you know, Harold last episode kind of mentioned, oh, yeah, um, his family is Bicolano. Mm-hmm. You know, and then uh, Ilongo and Visayan. Yeah, and then there's then you have and Cebuano uh, and Bohola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, everything all around. You know, and, and like um, you know, our our culture is so many, you know, so many like um, you know, so many languages, so many um, like small sections that if you ever actually like, what was the last time aside from Filipino American groups? When was the last time you actually saw a Filipino group just declare themselves as Filipino, not you know the Cebuanos of blah blah blah, or or Boholanos? Or, you know, the, the people are so proud of their cer- certain specific region of the Philippines that there's really no pride in the Philippines. And so, you know, when you get here in America, you see the pride of the Japanese. You you see the pride of all these things. They experienced a lot of things. They went through a lot of crap. They banded together, and now they have their own group. They have their own identity. And I think that's what we we don't have is that Filipino Americans. I mean, you know, not to not to joke around about it, but you know, the last month, how many times have you heard the argument about Filipino Americans versus uh, Filipino American history versus Filipino American just um, heritage? You know, right? It's it's different yes but you know you're arguing over you know minutia here when the idea is you should just go hopefully you're celebrating being filipino whether in america or anything and i get that's what the month is for yes i've i've been to that i've been to that um you know the the program at csun yes i listened to all those things but in the end are you focused so focused on the filipino american Part of it that you don't really understand your Filipino side of it, and you have to have both. And that is my first part part of my um, my message over here. Harold, you awake still? Yes, I am. I'm just <laughs> contemplating life over here. Um, the Dennis makes a good point in that it's it's not a thing that you see a lot from other cultures, and maybe it's just because we don't particularly see it in everybody else, but um, when I grew up, we had different associations for both our town and for our province. And for some reason, there was never any, um, like, there wasn't that much crossover. And for a province as small as the one that my mom came from, to have not everybody being, like, participating in, you know, just this association that there's only one of in all of America, it's, it's just strange to me. And I think it is that whole thing where, um, people are more proud of like exactly where they are from rather than like um, any other association of where they're, they, they could be, you know what I mean? Like uh, there's a boxer that just fought on the Manny Pacquiao undercard. And I said, uh, really proud of the guy because he's from the uh, capital city from our province. And some other people were like, yeah, he's from our capital city, but he doesn't represent us because, you know, those are the rich people that live in the capital city. And I'm like, dude, I've been to that capital city. There's nothing rich about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, anybody who says anything about like over wealth in the Philippines, A, um, hasn't really experienced the true poverty in the Philippines because there's always that dichotomy over there. 
sure. but B, it's like there's a different kind of wealth over there in that, um, you know, you have the extreme poverty on one side, and then you have the people who, if they considered their, like, if they ever compared their lives over to how we're living over here, which is also, you know, uh, super privileged, it, it would be like around probably middle class kind of deals. And for, we take that for granted over here and we take the, for, uh, they take that for granted over there as well. So there's always like like um, dividing lines that everybody wants to specify themselves as. So until anybody in particular, like, and it's just crazy that people for who are literally just an airplane flight, like 30 miles or 30, like a 30 minute flight away can differentiate themselves from another uh, another place and almost consider it like another country like mm-hmm. people who i when i used to take the boat from cebu to bohol people would be like oh you came over here because you wanted to see how nice things could be in the philippines and i was like dude or like when i go from bohol to cebu and i was like nah dude it's just i just like visiting you know close by provinces is there like an issue with them they go no but at the same time, remember that you're from there and you don't need to stay here. And I was like, dude, it, it just, it boggled my mind at the time. And it still kind of confuses me at the moment where it's like unity is not such a, I mean, it's crazier to me that unity is stronger over here in America than it is over in the Philippines, where we can have like, uh, you know, people who win Miss Universe and all of us who are like, oh, dude, she's Filipino. So she's one of us. But if you're from the Philippines, sometimes you'd be like, oh, she won, but she's not from our province or she's not from uh, our region. So we're happy. But at the same time, it could have been someone better. So I'm like, you know, weird things like that. And then the other thing that I'd like to bring up is we are the one we feel like the one major Asian country or ethnic and ethnicity that was conquered by two different principalities at two different times in our uh, existence Mm -hmm. and to have those kind of influences and then at the same time have all the other asian influences Mm -hmm. like the chinese because you know there's a lot of Mm -hmm. us who have chinese last names and the spanish thing obviously because a lot of us have spanish last names as well and then to have the american takeover over in the 1940s it's like where do you find an identity that's been um uh taken over by so many different properties and it's like do you have you have those other countries where specifically you say that the influences are from their from within their own but like you know sometimes with us it's like hey when you talk about like filipino foods and you say oh it's pancit and they go oh that's just the filipino version of you know chow mein mm-hmm. and, and it's like or egg, like when we have our egg rolls, they're like, oh, that's the Filipino egg roll. That's not the real egg roll. Like real egg rolls are supposed to be like this and whatnot. So not having that particular identity where it was like super strong in everybody. And those are the things that are like more permeated into pop culture at the moment. It's kind of tough. So yeah, the only way, I don't see a way where we can all just be unified and back each other with this. That would probably be the best way to do it. But I mean, the more we would be able to access being in the mainstream, I think it'd be a lot easier for everyone to be more proud to be Filipino. That's, <laughs> that's, that's my thoughts. No, and, and you brought up a good point. And I want to mention, I think you, Dennis and you, Harold, brought up um, like food, right? Um, 
why uh, to add to another question to the question is why hasn't like Filipino food been so you know why hasn't it been widely available and accepted or you know in into mainstream American cuisine Um, and that question has been brought up in a lot of you know documentaries I think it was brought up in a a Bourdain thing um, because there is no one unifying thing and and I think that it's tie it all together there's not one unifying thing to you know hold on to one identity right um, because everyone's adobo is different you know my mom's adobo when she cooks adobo uh, is different from my her sisters and that's different from how our Lola made it so there really isn't one unifying thing. I mean, sure, there's one, you know, unifying ingredients, right? Soy sauce, garlic, bay leaf, peppercorns, right? Vinegar. And, um, and almost all those things that you talked about are are items that other countries introduce, introduce to us. Right? So with those ingredients from different parts of the world, we're already making it our, our own you know, in a Philippine, a quintessential Filipino dish, but in itself is variable from house to house. Like that, that's where I think that's part of how it's not really widespread because everyone has a different recipe. Everyone has a different dish. And and, and part of this is, you know, I mean, I, I agree with what you're talking about, um, uh, you know, the differences. And, and the thing is, you're talking about you're talking about you know presenting it to the world but how many times have we been ashamed of telling people what we've eaten for our lunch when we were younger oh because it stank <laughs> because it looked different because you know i mean i remember harold talking about it uh, uh, one yeah you know? i was and i mentioned to the guys last week after we were done record i don't know if i did i don't think i did it in the recording but when i was a child at school my grandmother dropped off my lunch and it happened to be adobo and rice. And kids that were both not Filipino and the Filipino kids started making fun of me. Because, you know, traditionally a lunch at in an elementary school means like a sandwich and like a drink or something. Mm-hmm. But the fact is I had Tupperware with, you know, chicken and sauce in, inside of it. And kids were relentless. Like, they're like, I can't believe that, you know, you would bring that mess into our into our classroom or what's wrong with you? How come you can't have like a regular lunch like other people? And I was just like, dude, like the fact that the other Filipino kids didn't, like I said, I mentioned to the guys before, the fact that the other Filipino kids didn't back me up during this was more disheartening than anything else. Sure. Because like, that's one of those things where it's like, you know, they saw everybody else making fun of me. So instead of, you know, defending me, they were like, oh, we'll just pile on because at the moment we're all making fun of him for this thing, even though any day now, it could have been them doing that same thing. Mm-hmm. So, and this uh, again, another another controversial thing. And because I know, you know, I'm uh, judging people and everything. But how many times have you seen people, you know, when when and it's not just the food when people are are, are out there and this I've seen this unfortunately, especially with Filipino family members and Filipino relatives and filipino friends where you see somebody doing a somebody filipino doing something good something different how many times do you hear the criticism coming from all the time the filipinos and again why is that and you ask the question why not us 
This is one of the reasons. Is because we don't have we don't have that 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 unity. We don't have that um, you know drive that other people may have had in the past. You know, like yeah, we you know we had you know we had struggled. You know, we struggled. You know, uh, you know our friends. Uh, you know, uh, during the Philippine American History Month. Um, stuff talks about you know the Delano's you know um, um, strikes mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, we we struggled there, but it's individual again. It's not as a group. It's not as a collective. And I think the unless the collective has something to fight for, to struggle for, or struggle against, either way, we're not going to have that that sense of pride that is necessary for us to have what we're looking for now are there people out there that have achieved greatness while being filipino yeah absolutely. there's a lot of people mm-hmm. you know whether you're talking about the entertainment industry whether it's you know uh, food whatever it is there is people out there you know um, um lewis's brother-in-law you know is 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 a is a great ex- example where he is a you know an art director for various different programs and everything. So we have people successful being Filipino, being Filipino Americans. But it's again, it's just that unity, that sense of coming together as one group. That's what we're still missing. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I, I don't know if it's. I, I know it's cliche, the whole crab mentality thing. But I think that's what I'm. That's what I'm hearing uh, as the example, or maybe even the primary reasons. Like as soon as somebody gets one step ahead, yes, we'll all get behind them and say yeah. But then as soon as that person, we don't even need to turn a 180. They're turning 45 degrees and they're already saying, but I would have done this differently. I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. come on, let, let's just celebrate what we can do or what we've done or what what's been accomplished to the point where, yeah, I mean, I'm like, I, I know on the surface it seems very. Um, uh petty almost or, or, or kind of shallow to the point where like i'm just asking for like I, I want our foods i want like i almost kind of want halo halo to be on the same vein as like when when college kids are asking like, hey let's go get boba like i want halo halo to be in that same like you know in, in that same conversation kind of thing you know what i mean like does everybody have like their favorite halo halo spot that kind of thing like so that, that's kind of like the, the, what i imagine us be, be breaking that threshold like today was a rainy day uh, everybody at my office was like hey let's go find our favorite or uh, where's your favorite pho spot where's your mm-hmm. favorite ramen spot nobody's asking for like hey where can we bo- get some bombs in a gun like because i i was actually kind of feeding those like, some good. sour like hot so- uh, hot soup right now sounds super good but yet like we're not there yeah. and ironically like the people that, that work for the city are like 80 percent filipino so it's like come on guys <laughs> like why, why are we gonna go get ramen i was like but again, I, I, maybe it's accessibility and um, there's not enough support for one another, which is which is kind of killing me because like like Dennis already said, like that's kind of what we're known for. Every time a travel blogger or a travel um, expert goes around uh, talking about us, it's like uh, they're 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 friendly, they're companionship, all that good stuff. So it's like it's it it it, it it's true. It really does kind of boggle the mind. It's like why can't we? burst through burst burst through that <laughs> threshold and i just got the tension yay um so yeah dude i mean i don't know i don't know um well i'll, I'll give you an example um i forget the name of this the restaurant but in new york um it was a uh, growing uh, there was a popular new york restaurant that did um the salo salo style um oh like the big table the big with table a lot of and okay, okay. Like a type thing um and i remember back in the philippines i was like my brother and i used to t- when 
when we were still when he was still younger, we used to think about this. We 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 were actually like examining well, how can we make something like Sinigang um, more palatable to American audiences, and that's the thing that I think we are still missing is that think about aside from the Koreans, the Koreans are special, but um, in in the in the fact that they they stuck and said, you know what, if you don't like this bibimbap, yeah, if you don't like yeah, yeah, if you don't like yeah. smelly spicy stuff, this is this is us. And so they they stuck together. But if you think about all the other cultures, how many crappy Mexican food, how many crappy Japanese places, how you know Chinese, you know, Indian places, you know, um, you always hear it. Even Thai, oh, you should try the northern style, you know, because the you just have the southern style of uh, of you know, and we, but no one has tried, at least in my opinion, no one has tried to make it. No, no, so far, I mean, and again, most likely I'm generalizing and somebody listening to this goes, oh, chef so-and-so is doing it now. Chef so-and-so. Yeah. Most likely that's sure. true. You know? But unfortunately, um, I don't know who these chefs are and mm -hmm. I can't really talk about it. But if you know who it is, please let me know yeah, because I'd love to interview them for, for our podcast. You know what I mean? But if you, so going back, there was this um, uh, solo style style in, 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 in New York, and it was getting really popular where people were actually uh, paying like big bucks to get into it. And when I found out about it, it was grilled. Um, it was a boodle fest, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it was a boodle fest type thing. Mm -hmm. And I love boodle fest. Boodle fest is amazing and all those things. We should have one. Oh, there you go. Um, of a um, of a dorkiest timeline um, <laughs> there you go um, but but the, the thing is I and it kind of shows you like um, the moment the moment I heard that uh, that that the restaurant was a boodle fest like oh and that was my reaction oh okay <laughs> you're um, the problem exactly no, exactly we're all the problem yeah that's true you know, because you know, I mean, what's think about it? Filipino food. What's the fanciest restaurant Filipino food that you can think of? Barrio Fiesta or Max's? Yes. <laughs> you know what's difference? What's the difference between that and the regular Filipino restaurants that the, we have? The toro -toro. Pricing. Yeah. Pricing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. pricing, and you don't need to. It doesn't come in Tupperware or like you know in, in like styrofoam. In styrofoam thing. You can't, you, can't, you, you can't point to the food that you want over exactly. there. Exactly, but it's the same thing, and so which is good because as a Filipino, it's comforting to me. But then there's just so much you can say when when I give somebody um, we had kare kare for those people in our in our uh, on our podcast. We just had cut all all three of us except so for Harold. Good. Just had kare kare. Try explaining kare kare so that it's going to be um, something that is attractive to a non-Filipino audience. It's impossible. Yeah. Well, what is yeah. it? Well, it's um, it's stewed meats. So you take <laughs> oxtail, right? <laughs> yeah. I have to say there was one in LA called Mamser that they, I mean, they recently closed due to COVID and they had, it was fancy. It was mm. upscale. It was uh, what city was that? Highland Park or yeah, Echo Park or Silver Lake? I, yeah, I think. I'm sad that I never got an opportunity. It was yeah. delicious. Yeah. It was. They also made a kare kare, and it had it. It had oxtail, but everything was picked, so you mm. don't have the bone. So it's very like not messy mm. <laughs> you know like yeah. you didn't have to like suck the bone with your you know you have to suck the but bone. again that's, pause that's 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 part of the that's part of the, the joy, I know, right? You know, you're sucking the bone. I mean, they're trying. Yes. They try. Yes, Lewis, sucking the bone <laughs> is a part of the joys 
of life. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, like even with me, like my, my uncle a while ago opened an, a Filipino fusion restaurant and people hated it because of the fact that it was Filipino and Chinese fusion. Yep. And they were like, you can't pick one or the other. Like they didn't support him because of the fact that he was going in both his Chinese and Filipino roots. And they were like, you know what? Food is great. Everything's cool. But at the same time, this is not the traditional meals that we're used to. And we don't like it. And it's the weirdest thing that you wouldn't support something just because it's trying something new. Yeah, that's hard. Or it's not familiar to you. Like at the same time, um, one of the biggest comedians in the world is Joe Coy, a Filipino American. Yeah, and of the world. Yeah, you're right. Of the world, this is the only guy that, uh, besides him and Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy, these are the only, and maybe Kevin Hart, they're the only com- stand-up comedians that are doing stadiums or they're doing arenas because their comedy transcends. Uh, even though it seems like, ironically enough, that the two guys are both ethnic guys, it's like their comedy kind of transcends the ethnicities. And there's people who are like, yeah, they're funny, but they're not as funny as other Filipino comedians. So let's not give them the credit that they might deserve based on the fact that they're trying to expand themselves. So it's like, yeah, yeah. we have, you know, we have great Filipino stand-up comedians. Obviously, we're friends with a couple of them. And uh, just other people who are just given like uh, mainstream comedians crap because they're they're not sticking to the those tried and true um, uh, formulas that got uh, the the original comedians to be funny but the fact is they didn't stick to that because they're trying to make themselves more of a global brand and they're trying to get everybody into their comedies so it's like again why not support just because you're you're not supporting just because it's not something that in particular maybe you don't like but at the same time uh get other people to try to give them a chance yeah i dig it i dig it um just to kind of it, 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 let's try to spin it to something positive. I think I kind of I kind of talk, touched up on it earlier, but I kind of want to hear uh, from Dennis and, and Harold's perspective, and of course, Georgia. But like, let's go to uh, to movies, and uh, specifically martial arts movies, because uh, I think Dennis kind of touched on on it already, and I brought up earlier that um, you know, like I, I feel because I I want to talk about this because I I just saw Dune. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm not gonna spoil anything. If you haven't read the book, but one of the interesting directional choices that uh, the director made was that the martial arts on this far off planet in literally thousands of years from now is basically Filipino martial arts. It's Arnis, it's Kali. They're using sticks and short swords to fight each other. And it begs the question. So let's like, I would love to see like, why can't we, or why hasn't there been like a mainstream blockbuster? That doesn't have to be a blockbuster, but like a mainstream FMA movie uh, made yet, given the fact that like, I mean, yeah, speaking of, we have friends that are comedians, we have friends, who are literally gurus in their arts, and yet, like, we haven't made that yet. It's so it 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 kind of uh, it 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 um, boggles my mind almost to the point where I'm upset. It's like, dude, like Black Widow uses it in her movies. Uh, like I said, this multi-million dollar blockbuster Dune just uses Jason Bourne. Right, exactly. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Jason Bourne. Uh, John Wick is using books to fight dudes uh, twice his height. So, like, why can't we come up with, like, uh, The Raid was one of, uh, I think, is the kind of example of kind of a needle in it. The Raid is an Indonesian-made movie that uh, basically, like, broke barriers and was, like, 
uh, well, more or less like Squid Games before Squid Games in the same that it was in the sense that it was made in Indonesia with Indonesian actors with an Indonesian director, and it like permeated throughout all of the people's uh, imaginations, and, and like it was a cultural phenomenon to the sense that all of the actors are now like in movies, like these dudes. These same dudes who are in the raid are in Star Wars and are in John Wick, so it's like good for them. But it's like, yeah, it's. I'm, I, I want to ask you, is like, why do you think we had we can't come up with a movie like that? Like, it, it I have it. Me. I have Go an, for it. I, what I this is what I think. Because you're in the industry, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously. Um, I think it hasn't been made yet because we're waiting for someone else to make it. Oh, okay, okay. I think, I think someone in fma has to come up with a concept we have to make it ourselves you know right right no exactly (laughs) yeah you know we can't just stand by and wait for something to happen i think now with social media with all these avenues to express ourselves you know it, it, it it's bound to happen one of these days just someone has to put pen to paper and put paper to action and and without that, then it's not going to be made. We talk about um, representation matters, right? A lot of many, many times. Um, and we always say that, yeah, people, uh, you know, higher ups, people in uh, producers, directors, they're not looking at brown people who want to make movies. But if we ourselves are not making the 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 things, the projects, then they're not going to be able to create them and put them up in the screen. So I, that's my short answer. We, I mean, I feel like we can go on and this is another episode, another topic altogether, but short store, short answer. I think, I think we're just standing by and just looking, God, I'm getting like excited, but <laughs> I think we're just standing by and looking from the sidelines and waiting for something to happen when we have to take it upon ourselves to create, to, to, to create it ourselves. I like that you look at me because I literally I'm standing on sidelines because there's like a there's like a million Filipino romantic comedies and (laughs) on TF like yeah they're just they're everywhere and if you were just somebody outside of the Philippines looking at Filipino cinema you would just figure that every movie that comes out of the Philippines is a romantic comedy or some kind of romance movie because you're confused if they're if if they're Korean or not. Yeah, <laughs> like I've seen the one uh, Filipino horror movie. I can't remember what it's called. Um, and it wasn't that scary. It was just about like you know preying on the fact that ninety whatever eighty five percent of Filipinos are Catholics, and it's like oh if you're a bad Catholic, this is what's gonna happen to you. So it's like. <laughs> hasn't happened to me yet yeah (laughs) (laughs) the sequel that's the name of the movie writing that note down right now lewis is writing the the whole screenplay right now it's just gonna say more and then there's a two in the corner (laughs) and you're like what happened to the first more no there's no one there's just the more uh well i i don't know courage i i I, I I think I'm I'm on your camp right now because you know it's easy to say oh it's because we're brown or oh it's because we haven't found you know the the right actor or actress yet and everything but you're right it's it's more of it, it kind of like everything else we 
we maybe just maybe we've we've convinced ourselves otherwise. You know, just like we've convinced ourselves that we are not united, we've convinced ourselves that um, there's no such thing as a united food. Maybe we convince ourselves that we are the poor or we're the unfortunate Asian that 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 is never going to get this due. And until somebody says, you know what, I'll be willing to do it, I think that's uh, you know that that's going to be that's going to be our situation. Yeah, I so. mean, I think they're really we're taking baby steps. I think, right, to push the culture out there. You know, there are you know a lot of like I, I have a friend in first of all there's a historic filipino town in los angeles mm -hmm. right so that's already visibility that's also that's already putting something on the map like literally there it's on the map right um so there's you know we have friends who have restaurants there you know building the community around historic filipino town also like teaching people around the culture do you guys watch the try guys they're on youtube I just saw that video yeah, did yeah. you see it yeah so uh, justin ferranda like he has a restaurant um, called Hi-Fi Kitchen, Hi-Fi Historic Filipino Town, right? Um, so that was on the Try Guys YouTube series, and that's that's pretty big. Mm -hmm. uh, the Park's Finest was also on there, and that's another Filipino American restaurant. Yes, it combines like the you know some barbecue, right? Some like smoked meats, mm -hmm. but it's still like Filipino in heart. That bibinka cornbread, delicious. Like I would drive all the way. I would drive the 101. Yeah. <laughs> And again, we, we go back to what we were talking about. Yeah. There are people out there yeah, baby steps, that is doing sure. it. And it's amazing and, uh, you know, more power to them, you know, and it's, it's, I think that that's just like, what's the, what's the latest flavor craze in the Valley right now? You know, it's ube. Ube, yeah. ube. Everything ube. So, I did see a pandan article yeah, too. Ooh, I, I, I prefer pandan Me over too. ube, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, so, and, and I think that's going to be, in order for us to to do it, it's going to be people like that Justin Feranda. You know, it's going to be people that um, were part of uh, Park Finest who are who are willing to to you know instead of just talking behind the mic. <laughs> Ouch! I that, know. No, just hurt ourselves. Um, and and actually doing something that's that's going to be the, the the next step. Finding those people who are willing to you know put up you know and and you know and just do what it needs to happen that's going to be the only way we're going to be able to say why not us yeah you know uh, chris can i give you my uh theory that i gave the guys last week the one after you stop recording yeah yeah it's called the punty cell theory oh no oh, yeah you mentioned this i want to hear it yeah um i was having breakfast last week and in my office they have english muffins and I was looking at the English muffin and comparing it to the pandisol. And I was like, there is nothing the English muffin that the English muffin can do that a pandisol can't do better. Um, I still have to say no to that one. I, 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 I love me my, my pandisol. I will die pandisol, but English muffins are bomb. Is it, is it the nooks and crannies? But pandisol has nooks and crannies too. Nooks They're just not as defined. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on which, like, here, here's my which thing. Uh, no. So, and, and again, we go back to, we go back to, again, is it history or is it heritage? Because um, if you, if, if you were to give me a bag of pandesal from the Philippines right now, that, that, that crap has 
nooks and crannies galore. Why? Because they don't have enough flour or and good and, and good enough flour to actually have like a, a really yeasty and really like yeah you know, doughy bread. But when you go to a a, a, a over here, good. Yes. Is it the same thing? No. I, 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 would I rather have a a, a Filipino American pandesal versus a, uh, a nooks and crannies? That's debate for me, bro. Oh, dude. <laughs> like, can you take a bag of English muffins and walk around with it and start eating it? No. No. You have to like, you know, you have to yeah, yeah, it with a fork. Yeah, and you, you, you have to you have to open it up so that it, it's like, and then you put some some butter on that bad boy. Yeah, see, that's the and, thing and, is, and then you have to we, put the jam in it. But the English muffin by itself is garbage. Yeah. But here's the thing: you ask me, is there something that I can do with pan, uh, um, um, with English muffin? I can't do with pandesal. I wouldn't put jam and butter with pandesal. Why? Why? No. No. <laughs> oh, I'm this with you. Terrible. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I no, think no, no. I, I think we stumbled on our Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> The all pandesal uh, versus English muffins yeah. versus oh, again, again for to the audience fourth entry like what's to, our, what's to our the audience entry? out there that is um you know that is preparing you know like a pitchfork but it's the but it's the actual like fork from your your uh, your kitchen you know um, and uh, <laughs> about, serving fork yeah exactly and you're about to kill me and everything again let me let me let me put this uh, let me throw this out there I love me my pandesal pandesal is great <laughs> but. but I'm just saying, imagine an Egg McMuffin with pandesal instead of a McMuffin. That's, yeah. Nope, 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 nope. That's hard, hard, Harold. So, dorkiest timeline, (laughs) brutal salo-salo fight with just pandesal and and English muffins, and it'll be like a battle royale. Let's see Mm. who wins out. Like, you know, Mm. sliced bread, biscuits, pandesal, Mm. and English muffins. Mm -hmm. Like, like if it's Christmas, and I have me some... we're still talking about this. If if it's Christmas, (laughs) and I have me my sopas, and then like a uh, ham and cheese and everything. What am I gonna go for? Pandesal. <laughs> See? See, there you go. But well, if it's like turkey and cranberry, what you're reaching for? Pandesal. I'm still going pandesal. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> but like, again, okay. there's something very specific, and I don't know if it's because growing up, you know, you you saw those commercials where they kind of like they take a fresh. English muffin, mm-hmm. they kind of like turn it and mm-hmm. it's the nooks and crannies. And yeah. It's like it's much better than those hard English things. Yeah, exactly. but it never turns out like that though. It looks like, you know, like an English muffin the day after you open the bo- or open the thing, it's already garbage, dude. It's cardboard with nooks and crannies. I mean, <laughs> why are you waiting that long? Is my question. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one can finish six English <laughs> Who's eating six English muffins in one day, man? <laughs> well, you don't know Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> a tangent, but like I'm, I'm guilty of buying my first bottle of uh, grape poupon for the same reason because I saw a commercial and it made it look so delicious. Mm. And I tried it, I'm like, this is garbage. Who eats mustard like this? But I digress. But commercials are very deceiving. <laughs> but then again, that's like, that's me. That well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the uh, last episode ah, of Dorkiest ah, Timeline because you like, you like should, for everybody who, who, because this is an audio podcast, the face that Kurza just made. <laughs> Are you a great coupon? I love Dijon mustard. Oh, great coupon is well, amazing. Um, I'm gonna exit now. I thought we had something with Hawaiian pizza, but I guess I know, that's the line, right now. <laughs> the line we draw. Now, imagine a Hawaiian pizza with pandesal crust. <laughs> 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 
Mm, okay, okay, okay. Hold on, hold I on. Could, I could Hawaiian that. pizza with pandesal crust. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm going English muffin for that one. <laughs> Just because it'll be crispier than the pandesal. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. You know, and you still have that fall, like, you know, um, you know, like a crust there. I'll give you the one fault of the pandesal, though, mm. is they haven't made a good English toaster to perfect the toasting of a pandesal. Unless you're using a toaster oven, mm. because oh. regular toasters don't have that much fluffiness, like area. Like the biggest they make it for is like a bagel. Yeah, well, that's why I go for the uh, I, I go for the um the pan technique. You just cut it off, you put it in the pan. Perfect. Yeah. True. Yeah. Wow. Well, why don't we? Why don't we imagine a world without pandasol, without <laughs> without a toaster oven? Let's think about. Dystopia. Ooh, I like that. Well <laughs> done, a, segue. What a trend. My God. And this is why oh, we hired her, guys. Oh. Slow clap. Slow clap, my wow. dear. Slow clap. That was amazing. Okay. That's it for our episode today. <laughs> because <laughs> it's not going to get any better than no. that. Dude, that. You can't improve on perfection, guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that transition was so good. Dave Chappelle made jokes about it. So, Yikes. No too soon. Ooh, no, now too soon. now Ooh, the show is now, over. Ooh, we just got canceled. <laughs> we just got canceled. Uh-oh. Sorry about that. Anyway, so let's try to imagine. Uh, so great topic or great talk about that. So uh, like Kurja alluded to, um, the second half of today's show is since it is October, almost November, we wanted to talk about. Hold on, uh, hold on, hold on. Before I forget, um, Harold, we have to make an episode. Um, who is uh, given a choice? Who can you actually save um, after being canceled? Um, uh, Dave Chappelle or uh, Louis C. Clark or Lucy K. Louis, Louis and Clark. Lucy, <laughs> my um, getting canceled. I thought we were Lewis joking. Lewis and Clark was canceled. <laughs> yeah, back in the nineties. Sorry, uh, sorry, they're gonna get sacrilegious. Yeah. Oh yes. yes. <laughs> okay, oh. sorry, Louis. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we wanted to talk about something fun and Halloweeny. And if you've been listening to the to the five listeners who, who only tune in during the darkest Thailand, you know that half or most of our uh, podcasters we're not big horror fans per se, but um, horror horror fans. Horror. I'm a big horror fan. The, I was about Harold, to say Harold. Harold has something to say about that. <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> got a frequent customer card on that one. <laughs> okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh man. Okay, so yeah, we um I want to talk about or I wanted. So like I said, uh, most of us are not huge horror fans. We're not exactly getting in line whenever the new Conjuring movie comes out, but we do love one of the biggest genres to come up in the last few years is the dystopian slash post-apocalypse. Uh, in movies, games, comic books, TV, and streaming. So um, what I wanted to do today was just kind of talk about, oh, we'll go around the table like we always do, share some of our favorite examples of dystopias, post-apocalypse, and maybe even like, uh, actually, and, and kind of talk about why it appeals to us per se. And um, a fun question follow-up for each one of them is, I want to ask you guys, once you give your examples, how long do you think you guys would last? gals and guys and gals uh how long you would last in that apocalypse and let's try to be perfectly honest you know so i think it'll be a a fun little exercise but before we start i want to ask you guys like what is it about like these kind of stories that you think appeals to to people in this day and age like why is i mean i'm not gonna i don't want to jump into anybody's 
uh, get ahead of anybody's examples, but like, why is The Walking Dead so big? And why has it lasted like freaking six, seven seasons uh, and whatnot? Like, why? what is it about these stories that people tune in? Well, I don't know about The Walking Dead, um, <laughs> but like, you know, Lewis is forcing me to... <laughs> To, to to talk about certain genres and Lewis thinks that I should talk about um in the Hunger Games because I don't have anything else to talk about according to him. But I mean if you think about the Hunger Games the, the, at least part of the reason why it's so it was so interesting is that you're looking around and you're like it could actually happen. You know, it's like um what's what's the, there's there's that uh, there's another there horror slash dystopian um um series the purge and when the purge first came out and when i heard what the premise was where you know overpopulation is happening you know and um people are becoming more and more like you know uh, crazy and violent and violent how do you solve it well for one night out of each year you let everybody and you're like that that is not a bad idea yeah and, and i think that's part of you know in in the the, the uh, hidden part of your brain you're like that might just work <laughs> yeah. and i think yeah. i think that might uh, part of part of that is you know it's it's the fact that even though it is far away even though it is something that you're you know you know for a fact won't happen you're looking you look at something like the hunger games and you listen to them why it happened the way it is where it's it's the elite becoming richer and richer and richer to the point where they just um, start taking away everything else for everybody else um, so that they can uh, amass more money you know um, somebody just said that Elon Musk is going to be the very first trillionaire um, that uh, of of the world um, and uh, what are they doing with you know with their money well not Elon Musk, Musk himself but uh, you know, uh, the guy from from Amazon is sending people, you know, rich people at the space. I'm so glad that you spent, you know, millions and millions of people to send William Shatner out there so that we can have a meme of William Shatner in space. <laughs> but if, you know, an economist one was at one point said, if he took all the money that he invested to go to space, just his flight alone could have fed you know, millions of people for like a year. You know, that's how much money that the and, and so you look at again Hunger Games. Is it possible? Yes. And what kills me too is going back to example, and I'll let somebody else speak, but the funny part is yes, billionaires spend all this money, and guess what? The 98% of the population is cheering it. Yeah, they're sharing it like, oh, good for Elon Musk and good for them. Like, you ain't seen nothing. But then, yeah, we watch, you watch or you read the Hunger Games. Like, why would these people support this horrible game? Like, eh, because it's happening right now. It's like, oh, look at these, like, extravagant multi-million dollar whatevers. And, like, once a year, once a Super Bowl. And, like, we, uh, and then, like, 90% of the rest of the year, you're back to your, like, twiddling thumb or whatever yeah. mediocrity you call life. So, yeah, you're right. Maybe it's, maybe it's that appeal, like, we're not that far off. Yeah. So, yeah, H, what, what's the appeal of, uh, of this goodness? Uh, H, go ahead. With the Hunger Games, will you stop trying to force the Hunger Games on people? Exactly. <laughs> just, interest, okay? just because Lewis lost weight, all of a sudden that's the in only thing defense, he's talking about. You De- Dennis, Dennis was the one who, who who pushed this book on me. I said no, but I like the book, so I'm, like, I'm not even <laughs> mad at that anymore. And I was 
Uh, Lewis is like, is I I am Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> like, um, I've never read. I don't. Maybe this just is me, because you know, I didn't not really into the YA stuff, but never read any of the Hunger oh, books. Oh, oh y- YA. YA. Oh, I thought I thought you were watching some sort of manga anime. No. Oh. That so okay. that and like uh, you're, never you're, really. You're into it though. Yeah, she's totally done with that. But uh, never read the books. Uh, only seen. L- bits and pieces of the movies so i kind of get the references and i just know it's like uh you know a more pg version i guess of battle royale which seems yep. to be some kind of um sticking point that people have been really trying to get over for the past couple of decades now um but the appeal i guess is just you know people who don't have anything left to give or have anything else to fight for, uh, getting the opportunity to actually, you know, have something. So, I mean, it's kind of a storyline that people would, you know, regular everyday people would kind of get into where it's like, yeah, man, I know that if ever an opportunity came where uh, things were so bad for me over here that the only way for me to get out is to kill other people, I'd probably do it. I mean, not me personally, but I mean, I would literally just i know <laughs> yeah yeah i would i would turtle into a hole and just be like all right they stab, stab me in the back or in the butt i guess that's how i go down but i mean <laughs> always in the butt dude <laughs> yes it's always that stab in the butt that's how that's what's going to get you in life but um i think you'll survive uh, i think it's my ass is <laughs> my ass is meaty enough that it, it could take a few shankings um i, I it could be like it could basically be like piggy and lord of the flies because there's a book i've read Oh, um, good job. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, that's cause, good for yeah. you. Yeah, you know, it's part of re- required reading in English to honors, uh, you know, way back. And I'm literally looking at my bookshelf that has all my English honors books. And it's like, man, they really wanted us to read nothing but depressing stuff. <laughs> I was like, why is Catcher in the Oh, yeah. Catcher in the Rye. That's kind of, that's not really dystopian. But um, yeah, that, I guess that's the appeal of a lot of the uh, um, the long shot opportunity kind of uh, stories. So do you think that it, it, it like Dennis said, completely like possible that this is a direction that can happen in the close to near future here, but we try as much as possible not to make it happen. I'd love for this not to be a possibility because <laughs> that seems like that's when things have just gone completely downhill for society. And yeah, I guess that's why they call it dystopian. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I agree. I, I I guess one of the reasons why I like the genre is because what, and it's along the same lines as what Harold was talking about and what Dennis was talking about, but it's like uh, we see, and I had to write it down because I forget. We, we, we see the triumph of the human spirit right? In the face of adversity, in the face of destruction, in the face of death, you know, the the worst case scenario, we see a group of people trying to make it and fight for the good, right? The, The common good to, you know, whatever, rebuild the population, to find safety, to you know, you know, bring warmth. I don't know, you know, because all climate change is another like imminent kind of like danger. Um, And that that's the that's the point that my example 
we'll kind of bring up, but before we get to that, Lewis, what were you going to say? Oh, no, actually, uh, you guys had great examples. I was going to say, let's just get right into it. So uh, since we're already talking about it. So uh, anybody want to go first, talk about their favorite example or. Okay, well, I'll go first then. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with uh, actually something pretty recent, uh, and I'm going to lump three movies into this, but uh, I'm going to throw in uh, the War of the Planet of the Apes, or at least the Rise, uh, the War, and all those wonderful Planet of the Apes movies. So obviously Planet of the Apes was a classic Charlton Heston 70s movie about... Uh, 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 the musical, right? Yes, yes, with... Yeah. Troy McClure. Thank you, Hale. I was, trying, I was struggling for the name of the guy. I always have get uh, the Simpsons reference. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, that little cartoon. Um, you know, but was the, it was the, something about chimpanzee? Yes, chimpanzee. Chimpanzee. He could play the piano now, but he couldn't before. So, but um, but it's like that classic movie, obviously of. Um, or that, that that genre but like the latest movies from the uh, the 2010s like it explained further and much better like basically how this world could come to be and like re-watching it recently in the last year it was like it hit a little bit close to home because it's uh, again what dennis said it's like right at the cusp of possibility so if you have uh, spoilers for those who are listening for our five new listeners uh but um the premise of the first movie is that the reason why uh, Caesar, the first chimpanzee, becomes intelligent because the the scientist who's working with him was actually working on a uh, a, a dementia a cure excuse me, a cure for dementia, which again going back to the, the the time now is actually something that we're doing. Like we are we have you know there are people scientists medicine or doctors out there who are trying to figure out this debilitating disease and it's an altruistic reason you know so it's a it's a it's a great excuse excuse uh, it's a great reason to to create something and i think that's kind of the beauty of some of these stories is like a lot of the tragedy comes from like hubris i, I don't know if i'm using it properly but like the hubris of man trying to think like oh we're going to build better technology oh the mm-hmm. technology backfires on us or we're going to create this new medicine oh no like we made monkeys smarter and uh, in turn we created this virus that actually killed humans and made us humans dumber. So it's like, again, and, and then like it, 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 not just, so not just the medicine of it or not just the science of it, but the fact that again, it, it, it mirrors what humanity is about. Like once the, once the, once these animals in, in this endangered, um, uh, sorry, in the zoo, uh, start, not, they didn't even fight back. They just wanted to become free once they learned that sentience of like, they know what they knew what it was to become free of free of these cages. They just wanted to come back to the forest where they came from. Yet, you know, the local police and the armies were like, no, you have to stay put. So there's something like kind of intrinsically human about wanting to leave or wanting to escape or wanting to be free. So of, of course the irony is that it's at the cost of human beings, but you know, so yeah, throughout the three movies, such a great like uh, origin story basically to, to, to what, you know, what, what could be and what will be. Uh, or not what will be sorry but uh so yeah so that's one of my favorite examples i think one of the best movies series you can binge in the last years um i know um you know andy circus uh who's played Gollum, uh obviously caesar in this movie uh directed venom uh, recently um i know they they were joking i don't know if they were really joking but like i honestly thought like his acting even behind cgi was really good like i think there, there's a way there's the cgi has gotten to the point where like you can empathize with a freaking chimp and like actually understand like he's in pain or he wants to be free or he's he misses his old master slash scientist slash friend so anyway one of my favorite examples of it um and yeah so that have you guys had a chance to watch that movie yet or watch any of those series no actually you haven't never okay yeah i saw the first one okay h i've seen tamal 
Okay, so Andy, and Andy Circus is fantastic, and the guy from uh, Harry Potter was great in the first one. Wait, when you say you've seen the first one, are you talking about like the original? Oh one, no, no, I haven't. Well, I've seen all of those too, but um, those were a staple on KTLA during the weekends <laughs> in the early '80s. Uh, but yeah, the original ones, like I, I, I honestly, I didn't think that the first rise of the Planet of the Days was going to be any good. So I never watched it in the theaters. And then my cousin had a bootleg of it and he's like, yeah, let's just watch it and just hang out. And I was like, dude, this is actually pretty interesting. Right. And it really made you, I didn't think that they were going to continue in that uh, universe, but then, you know, two more sequels and yeah, all, all around pretty good stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll ask my question first. Uh, how long do you think I'd last in this uh, Planet of the Apes uh, kind of situation? So in the second movie, they actually established that. Yeah. So in the first movie, at the end of it, they basically say that the same virus, unfortunately, that helped monkeys become intelligent, it was actually killing people off. So I would actually say, I'd say I'd live like five years into this thing. Mm. Once we get into the uh, into the part where everybody's like huddled into the the masses of like, I think one group was living in like a dam. Because that's the only source of power back in, over in San Francisco. Uh, but then, like, poop hits the fan. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I'd be one of the fa- uh, the fodder who would be trying to fight the gorillas, and I'd get like ripped apart. So I'm, I'm, I'll be perfectly honest. I think I'd last, but not that long. That's pretty good. Five years. Yeah, I think so too. And that kind of so, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can't arm wrestle a monkey. So yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go next. My dystopian movie is Wally. Ooh. Um, okay. And. I forgot that that's actually yeah. yeah right. I, I like both sides of it, where you know you have the dystopia that Wally lives in, but but at the same time the you know other part of it is you think oh the 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 happy part of the world or happy part of it is when you're inside that ship, but it really isn't you know it's it's yeah you have you might think that there's people there but you saw how out of touch how. These people weren't even talking to each other. So, in his in his own way, Wally was actually living a better life than the, the these people. So, you know, like it's funny when when you mentioned um, dystopia. I was trying to figure out coming up with different examples, but that's the one that really like struck me that um, you have two examples of dystopia happening at the same time. Um, and so, I'm I'm guessing the audience. I don't have to explain it. Cute, lovable. Um, you know, uh, uh, Johnny Five uh, ripoff um, <laughs> comes in there with like a washing machine of sorts, um, and they do it. For, that's I mean, isn't that the, what, what happened to me? Um, and in the end, sure. uh, which version did you watch? <laughs> isn't that what they were doing when they're like twirling around and like leaving a trail? Have you not seen? Oh my God! Have you, have you Why not, would you ruin that movie for me, dude? Have you not seen how fish procreate? No, I don't see how fish. Procreate. They just like salmon. I'm so they just you right let, now, bro. They just no let one watches the, and procreate. Um, I can't have that movie. Have you ever seen salmon going up the river? Right after that, they released the snow. Okay, so uh, obviously um, I watch too much uh, nature shows, but oh my god, give it. Okay, cool. Um, so the question is, how long would I last? Um, depends. Um, if I were with, if I was with uh, Wally, I guess I'd die immediately. Yeah, nobody was left. Nobody was left. Yeah. But um, I think I would be living really comfortably <laughs> in that in that other dystopia. 
And um, I think I'd be doing okay. And the third part of it is that nobody really thinks about it is after they get home. Yes, please. How many of those people died? Yeah. Oh, all of them. All of them. <laughs> they have no muscular. Exactly. They, they, they there's they nothing. They topple over and die. And no all of them now, all of a sudden, they're, they're forced to eat <laughs> veggies. They're going to die. And all of a sudden, the last part of this of this series is now Wally and, and um, what's her name? Uh, Eve. Eve. Um, Eve. Uh, in, instead of... Uh, Instead of stacking, you know, those boxes, okay. they're going to be okay. stacking bodies. Bodies, yeah. You know, they're compacting the bodies into cubes. Yeah. More, <laughs> more pyramids of garbage. God, into soiling be... green, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I would be the guy that's cursing a Wally after a real life. Like 10 seconds later, you know, for a fact, after the ending, somebody's like, How are we going to eat again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah, the end. end. <laughs> yeah, next topic will be how to ruin what I love movies. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Dennis. Uh, Harold or Krija, who, uh, who do you? Who I'll do you go. Want? I'll go. Um, my my favorite dystopian thing was a movie first, and then it was a TV series. It still is a t- TV series, I think, I hope. Um, but it's Snowpiercer, and I have to thank Lewis for reminding me about this, because this is one of the TV shows that Lewis and I talk about. Um, it's about, uh, the movie was directed by Bong Joon-ho, and it takes place on a train. Um, global warming has taken over. It, the, the earth is frozen over, and um, there's a rich person who owns a train and has taken up the the surviving members of uh, the society onto this train. And there's a lot of classism in the movie um, because there's rich people who live in the front part of the train. And then there are the tailies who weren't invited on this train, but just so happened to hop on while it was, you know, leaving. Um, so there's, there's that class kind of a classicism kind of thing on the train. Um, uh, and, and the same thing goes for the TV series, um, same premise, you know, frozen and uh, surviving members of the society on a train. Um, and I like how it brings, it, it kind of touches upon not just classism, as I mentioned, but it also talks about global warming and the effect on our effect on the planet, because that's also eminent. I mean, that's always on the news now, you know, there's so much going on in, in in the government, right? They're trying to pass a bill as of right now, just to that includes protecting protecting this planet because um, it's slowly going to poop, right? You know, we have to protect it not just for us, but for our future generations. So that's something that Snowpiercer talks about. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's my favorite because it touches upon classism. And um, yeah, all the all the politics on the train is just is is crazy. Punishments on the train is crazy. If if a tailie, so someone who was not invited on the train, um, messes up or you know crosses the the border into the other parts of the train where they're not where they obviously don't belong, the punishment is they stick their hand out the window and it freezes, and then they bring it back in the train and they they hammer it and it shatters to pieces like that's the punishment um and so to answer lewis's question i guess it depends on whether where i end up on the train um 
would I be invited? I don't think so. I'm not a you know prominent member of society. I, I mean, I like being funny and I've been on stage a couple of times. Maybe I can be in the middle part of yeah, the train and, and be like, and like, and just car, like, yeah. yeah, just dance, dance monkey dance to survive. <laughs> like I would do that. You do improv for everybody. Fresh word for snow. Snow. Snow is the suggestion. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, Second word, train. <laughs> wow. I need a location, that, train. That <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, I would try my best to be in the middle part of the train because obviously I'm not I'm not super rich but I would try I would do my best and I think that's part of the reason why like these movies exist because and it's a great question to pose Lewis because we we want to we want to fight to survive and you know uh, these movies these shows these games everything shows the lengths that a human, a person would go to, to make it to survive and not be, you know, shattered as a frozen block of ice. Um, But yeah, I would try my hardest just to stay and do whatever it took to, to be on that train. I mean, uh, Snowpiercer, what was, it's a thousand and one cars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So put me in one of those cars, (laughs) man. Like how big, I mean, obviously you just said a thousand and one, how, how many people per car? It was supposed to be like a thousand, so it's a, yeah. I mean, it's huh? a small percentage of the entire population yeah. of the world, but it's still like yeah, for a thousand cars, like a couple hundred people per you know, so maybe a couple hundred thousand people left out of the, what, that, the five billion yeah. on Earth. So that's even a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. some cars were it was just like a restaurant or an aquarium yeah. or, or a garden, cows, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> where the last six cows on Earth. Yes. Were. So yeah. Uh. It's dark. It's yeah. dark. And yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I do love like how like, timely it was. Like, yeah. yes, there was obviously the politics. And of course, a few years ago, my Lord, the world's gone through so much in the last few years that remember when Borders was a big item? Like build that the wall. The bookstore? Oh, no. okay. <laughs> like building the wall was such a big yeah, thing. For... Division, right? Just... And then you see it on the movies or in a TV show. I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. So yeah. So that's yeah, great idea. Um, yeah, I would not last either because I'm poor and I have no entertainment value. I'm also I'm only good as me. So I'm probably gonna be one of those that uh, soil and green. Thank you for bringing that up, H. Uh yeah, I would be the soil and green of this train. <laughs> so yeah, thank uh, th- good example. H, how about you, dude? Um, I'm going to use a TV show that I loved, but I don't think a lot of people ever watched. It's called The Last Man on Earth. Um, I love that show. Dude, oh, thank you. <laughs> that show is awesome, dude. Why, uh, this is why Harold and I are friends. <laughs> <laughs> you were the three people who saw that movie. Was it Y? Like the letter Y? No, it was just called The Last Man on Earth. Oh, starring, Yes. Yeah, with Will Forte and uh, Kristen Schaal. Love and her. A bunch of random people who just happen to be the last people standing and of all the places in the world that they end up living at do you know where the last people on earth start uh gathering glendale nope <laughs> Sorry. no that was another tv show yeah, actually <laughs> where were they, they? Start, uh chatsworth california <laughs> wow i gotta see the show now <laughs> Because you know where the very first the very first episode takes place pretty much is oh, in that bar that we passed by McGee's or whatever it's called now. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. So whatever McGee's ended up being, that's when the show that's when the restaurant closed down actually is because of the show. Oh, irony. <laughs> but I it, the show is great because it's uh, and ironically I had to read up again it's be- the reason that the world 
every pretty much the population disappears is because of a virus in the year 2020. Yikes. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the whole premise of the show is like the virus wipes out pretty much everybody. So Will Forte thinks he's the last man standing on earth. That's hence the name of the show, The Last Man on Earth. But uh, in the first episode, he ends up finding uh, Kristen Shaw. So, you know, he's good for at least some kind of voiceover humor with her over there. And then just the whole rest of the thing is just him finding like small sects of people, sects, S-E-C-T-S. So that there's, it's not a horror. It's not a horror, but they are having sex. Yeah, he is the last man on earth. And so, you know, obviously they're like, oh, we got to procreate. But like um, the reason I think I would do really well in this dystopian future is because one of the guys was this really big fat hispanic guy and the girl that ended up falling in love with him and having his baby was january jones oh so yeah yeah like in the x-men movies yes if if he has a shot with her then i have a shot with anything Oh my come on age come on like like he doesn't even have a good i mean he has a his personality is on par with mine and i'm you know that's how i'd figure it out you know i'd stack the the credits over here as like our personalities are similar so you know tied one one but i'm better looking and have more hair than he does so <laughs> i win you know so that's how i think i would go down in that a whole series um, I really wish that they had been able to finish out that series because it was always very hilarious and promising. But at the same time, like um, a series where the premise is like trying to find a bunch of different people or like finding more survivors, it kind of got uh, a little like it ruins the whole original premise where you think he's the last man on earth. So, you know, um, H, you might I, and maybe you guys can help me as well. There was a show in the 90s, the same premise. Um, where it's the end of the world and it's the last few people. It was a comedy. Um, and to this day, I'm still trying to figure out, and one of the catch, the jokes of the first episode is the reason why the main guy survived is because he was driving a Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody had a reason. It's like, I, I drove a Volvo and that was it. And to this day, I don't know what, I know, I, I don't know what show it is, but um, I remember watching it, and I was like, "It." I, I'm almost positive it didn't last long because the 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 premise was too dark, you know. At at least at that time, but it was hilarious to me, and I can't seem to remember the show. And it, it was around it was around the Herman's Head era. So, oh, Ooh. that was was a- it on the same time as Herman's Head? I don't know, maybe. Because Herman's oh, Head is man. the one with Yeardley Smith, right? Or Yeardley yeah. It is with, with Yeardley Smith yeah. and the guy from Mannequin 2 yeah. and the fat guy. God. Well, see, <laughs> somebody will eventually... Uh, it's like, uh, him. Go um, with him. By the way, I downloaded every version of that song because of that stupid show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Um, oh, oh. Do we have one time for one more or what? Yeah. Uh, sure. Let's do one more round. Um, I think, uh, okay, for, for my last one, uh, I know there, there's, there's a, I, I got a, a bunch of them that I really love, but I think the one that I kind of want to talk about, and I, I don't know if it's, but it's, again, it's kind of weirdly 
timely and kind of uh, appropriate, I guess, for this time. And, and since I'm a comic book nerd, uh, it's got its roots in comic books. So I want to talk about uh, Sweet Tooth. So this is the most recent um, Netflix uh, or comic book to Netflix uh, show. It's a Netflix. Is it was a kid a, with a horn? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's a Vertigo comic book, uh, one of the DC Comics imprints. It's about a, yeah, so it's about, again, it's about a post-pandemic world. So again, very timely. And it the the premise begins with uh these babies start getting uh, are are born starting as, uh, uh, on a certain time where they start uh, uh they're born with weird animal hybrid traits so like the 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 main character sweet tooth uh he's born with antler horns uh and then like a baby a few a few days later is born with uh, a dog's you know tail or a pig's snout or you know maybe like wings or or hooves um, so these hybrids are being born and at the same time they find out or a pandemic happens at the same time so humans start panicking so instead of just trying to uh, again I think uh, from in a different timeline in a different time maybe we could have re- watched this show or read this comic book saying that's crazy like people would not do that yeah. we would cooperate we would all gather together and the last two years have shown that that's far from the <laughs> truth you know, if one person, you know, we, we always joke about like, why would that person in a zombie movie like hide their bite and risk everybody else? Uh, because we have people around here walking with positive COVID tests or are coughing with fevers. And they're like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. Like, okay. I, I have a feeling Lewis would would be the guy that hides the uh, ankle I would bite. totally, dude. I would be like, my guts it, would be falling out. I would tie my shirt together and be like, hey, let's it, have more gut together. In, in the hopes that it, 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 I might be the one the one in a million that'll survive this. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, again, to answer the question, Lewis is the uh, zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I would be patient, not zero. I'd be patient like two. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so like, uh, again, it's really well made really well acted uh, i mean like i had i've only had a chance to read the first uh book of, of the comic book series i think it's done now so I, I, it's, it is one of those things i want to get into like finishing uh throughout uh but not to mention like i said it's on netflix now it just dropped like last year it was produced by robert downey jr not that it has anything to do with the show but the quality at least it's really well made so i highly recommend it if you haven't seen it yet uh, if it's been like on that like we recommend this. If you like pop culture or comic booky stuff, it's there. It's 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 again. It shows how kind of quickly. I mean, yeah, there is a, a bit of like you have to take a step back or at least uh, suspend um, belief for a bit when when society kind of takes the nosedive. But like it it's realistic in a sense, like how people reacted and how people reacted to like oh like there's 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 a reaction of like hate, immediate hate and fear of these babies like little babies mm-hmm. like the oldest character oldest child the oldest hybrid child i'm sorry is only like 11 years old so in the course of 11 12 years like the whole society like turns upside down to the point where yeah you know like uh, the government's come, come down economy people are like uh are are, are becoming vagabonds and be, and basically going from town to town uh doing that kind of stuff so yeah it, it was a very interesting show really good read so far um but yeah highly recommended um now again begs the question um what do you call it how would i do in this pandemic i would like to say um if i was a parent so one of the one of the central characters a bit of a spoiler but one of the the central characters uh, he has a child, or his his wife was pregnant during this time, and he his son or his child uh, becomes a or turns out to be hybrid. And 
it's still left. Uh, you know, I, I haven't read that far into the book and I, the, the series doesn't cover yet. Like we don't quite know what he does in mm-hmm. that situation. So if the case was like, I would like to think that I'm altruistic enough and I'm kind enough that even if my child was born uh, with a different, I would love him or her. Big uh, snap. Huh? Big snap. Big snap. Love it. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe just kind of pet it on the nose. Um, if Skunk I was, tail. <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, you know what? Hooves. Like I live on a, we live in a, in a townhouse. So if like, if I, all I hear is a clop, clop, I'm like, dude, no, no put yeah. some shoes on. Dude. Shoes, shoes, please. <laughs> put some Uggs on. I don't yeah. know something. It's like the opposite of a Filipino household. It's yeah. like, put, uh, leave uh, your uh, shoes uh, on. Uh, Lewis has a limit. Yeah, exactly. I only love you this much, but if, Oops, I, can't, no. if, I, if I can't sleep because you're walking around the house, no. Um, <laughs> uh, on, the, on the flip side, if I was one of those who weren't having a child or whatnot, uh, I'd like to think that was pretty good during this last pandemic. Like, uh, unlike, you know, I, I, I got the vaccine as soon as it was available. Um, I observed quarantine rules. Like I, I barely went outside. I walked, you know, I, I walked around the school outdoors when they said uh, the, 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 the virus could be spread, you know, from media contact, that kind of thing. Ironic that we're like literally three feet away from each other, but I think we're good, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. We're good. Uh, so you know, I'd like to think that maybe I would have lasted like at least a few months. In the show, there are communities where it's like they they establish these kind of rules, and again, like uh, from the outside looking in, if, if we didn't live the, through this 2019 pandemic, to all the way through freaking 2022 already, um, like maybe like oh that's that's crazy thought, that's crazy, that's, that's crazy. But like now it's like yeah, you have to like the, the first sign of a cough, you're like dudes, back yeah, up. yeah, or uh, that kind of stuff. But anyway. Um, maybe I'd last a year. Okay. Two. Two. That's yeah, pretty maybe. good. That's pretty but good. I'm gonna depend on my wife. And Lewis is like giving himself like yeah. long odds here. Yeah. Like I just said, I'd die immediately. What <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying in the show, it's already like 12 years has passed. I'm gonna give a lot of the credit to my wife because I'm sure she'll try to keep me alive. Oh, but that's the, true. The sign of, but you know, I love her, but she's also like uh she she she's kind of uh cutthroat. Like if I start coughing, oh yeah. I'm not, <laughs> thanks, Harold. I was gonna say your your wife is ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> and no matter what dystopian future you put her in, she's making it all the way to the end. I know, oh, for I know, sure. I know. And she'll look great. She'll look better at the end. Yeah. <laughs> she did at the beginning. What she did? <laughs> It'll keep improving. She'll keep improving. And it's like, what the hell's going on here, dude? <laughs> I don't like my odds in this story. Damn, man. But okay. So that that's me. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, and you, you need uh, Harold and Lewis, you need to check your uh your your Facebook. <laughs> Uh, post um my my next dystopian, Jesus man why would you do that <laughs> my next dystopian one is uh equilibrium oh, um, god damn it yeah equilibrium um it, 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 have we all watched Equ- equilibrium I no I don't know what this is an audible gas I know also Chris, also Chris is a woman so whoa whoa whoa, hey, whoa. Hey, hey. Okay. yes it's, I am it's, it's excusable guys it's excusable. let's not uh Let's not, let's not draw a line there, you know. Then. <laughs> um, no, so uh, so for Kirsch, uh, um, it's a Christian Bale movie right before he became um, big in, in like Batman and everything. Oh, so and this it, is after Newsies? <laughs> yes. <laughs> way, way, so it was like one of those way movies, after Swing Kids. Uh... Like, like when they announced it, and uh, I think it was, I'm almost positive it was Harold that introduced me to. Yes, it was. Yep, yep. And um, and it's you know when I when I saw that I was like wow okay he's gonna make a great Batman and so the whole idea the, the premise of the whole thing is that um it's kind of like 1984 esque almost mm-hmm. where um 
the world has become uh, became uh, past has became so violent where wars and you know murders and rape and everything was so common that the 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 world decided that or at least the government in this place decided that they were going to try to fix it and what they did is they created this drug and this drug was meant to limit your emotions so that um it's 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 survive uh, it saved the human race because um, you know, wars disappeared, uh, murders disappeared, you know, uh, but the, the problem was that because everybody's emotions disappeared, there was no joy, there was no happiness. Oh. So it, the idea is you save the world yet, you know, um, and so um, there's this group of people um, who basically the police officers, and their main duty is to look for, um, one is look for people who are feeling and if you are somebody who feels, you basically get executed. A uh, sense offender. A sense offender. Oh, and then the God. other thing is that what the, what, uh, Clever, the, whole, right? the whole the whole the whole premise is that what makes people sense offenders? Well, it's things such as art. It's things such as books, right. uh, mm-hmm. you know, and paintings and all those things. And so the other purpose of this of the uh, these these cops is basically destroy anything that could cause emotion. And so it's uh, so the whole story is this. This um this this uh, this officer that accidentally um uh, forgets to um take his medicine for that day, and because of him not taking that 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 medicine, he all of a sudden starts uh, feeling, and that's the whole premise of the whole thing. Um, it, it's a really good movie just for that premise, but also it's it's ha- actually has really good like action scenes. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, they, they create something called gun kata. It makes no sense. It makes sense. Basically, they're able to create like a a martial art based out of a gun uh, and they're able to shoot the gun at every single possible um, location. So you can guess where people are coming. It's great. Really dumb in in that sense, but it's amazing. Um, So that, uh, but the, the whole idea of the dystopian, again, the world survived. Everybody is quote unquote happy because there's no murders or anything like that. But in the end, we actually really are sad and alone and everything. And and, and um, I remember watching that and I was like, man, that's, that's such a great movie. Um, I, I think that um, I'm too lazy to go and <laughs> and look for these like these books and everything. I'd be like, okay, sure, daily sure. bill, daily bill, okay, <laughs> yeah. Also, Chris, do you know who the first person who dies in that movie is? No. Who? Uh, think of an actor and think of him dying. Oh, uh, Sean Bean. <laughs> nice. For- he dies so early in the movie, it's when we forgot that he was in the Oh, it really is Sean Bean. Sean, <laughs> Sean Bean. <laughs> Bingo. Sean Bean gets 10 minutes of screen time in the oh, movie. Maybe. He's Sean Bean. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't even make to the end of the movie, not even halfway through. Oh, wow. yeah, I love that movie too, dude. Like, yeah, age, big credit to you because I still remember. I think we watched it at your house, dude. And we're just like, why are we watching this Matrix knockoff? After the movie, I'm like, I love this Matrix knockoff. knockoff. <laughs> I, I shouldn't call yeah, it that. the Matrix wishes they made Gunkata, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that unfortunately, I, I think that's kind of what, if I remember correctly, that's kind of what made people forget about the movie even happening in the first place because uh, Christian Bale's whole outfit was like the whole, you know, the, the leather duster, all black with a mm-hmm. gun so like people are like oh it's another matrix thing which uh, uh, probably fair enough another epoch another dystopia but um 
yeah, totally different feel. I mean, aesthetically, I guess it's on the same plane, uh, uh, same plane, but totally different feel. I, I great choice, Dan. Great choice. Uh, Kirsch, oh H- God, yeah. Well, first, I'm gonna put equilibrium, equilibrium on my list. That sounds like right up my alley. The, we can watch it at the Boodle fight. Oh yeah, we should. Yeah, it's, it's it's family friendly. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. Most of the kids are oh, all we're there. inviting families. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. For one scene, it's, it's Krisha friendly. <laughs> I don't know if we can have a boodle fight with four people, guys. <laughs> well, I know. I'll just go. Go ahead, <laughs> please <laughs> partake. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll go next. Um, uh, I want to bring up. I think uh, as a woman, since Harold brought that up, um, <laughs> I don't know if hey, the Kurt, audience did, did noticed. Did you know that? <laughs> Now it's, I do. It's, it's her choice, guys. It's her choice. <laughs> I do. I do identify as a woman, and um, uh, I want to talk about The Handmaid's Tale. Because well, did you just stomp at the same time when you said that Handmaid's Tale? I stomped. <laughs> I mean, I took a step, but I have boots on. It sounded like a Damn stomp. Harold, but... pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, have you guys heard of it? Watched it? Know anything about I've it? I've watched the first season, and it is so tough to watch. It is. Ha- so it tough. is hard to watch. So hard. And I think part of the reason why is because. For me, I can see that actually happening. And, you know, that's a point that we've brought up with, you know, the other shows that we've mentioned today. Um, I, I, I mean, I hate getting political, but yeah, there are two states that are, you know, have passed and will pass or on the verge of passing laws that potentially govern a, a woman's body and, and takes away her, her, right, her right to choose, right? So, um, and and hearing that, it, it to me, it, it sounds like it, it's only like the beginning, mm-hmm. right? What else can they pass? And The Handmaid's Tale, it, it takes place in a not too distant future in, um, a, 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 I don't, it's not America. It's the, the I guess the country, quote unquote, mm-hmm. is Gilead. Yeah. Um, and it's really like women are governed by the state, right? They, they and it, the way it happened is that they slowly took away women's women's rights. Like there was a scene, um, Elizabeth Moss is in it and she's in a coffee shop. So this is before anything happens and it happens in a flashback. So she's trying to pay for a coffee or something in a, a coffee shop and her credit card is declined. And it's declined because she no longer has the authority to use you know, her family's money. Right now, it's uh, her husband is the one in control of her money, um, and it slowly progressed or you know degress is that the word? No, declined. <laughs> it slowly word, went yeah. down from there, right? Mm-hmm. So um, quickly, quickly, <laughs> you know, women were already becoming um, servants. You know, women who were able to have babies were now properties of of um, hi, uh, men in, in higher, in high positions of power, right? They were, they were, <laughs> you talked about rape. They were, they were made to have babies. They were made to reproduce because well, a lot of the women in the higher society did not have um, reproductive. Because yeah. um, that was the premise of it. Like, yeah. like, for, infertility ran rampant for yeah. whatever, again, for whatever yeah. reason. They don't explain what happened. Um, I mean, not in the, four seasons that I've watched. So I don't really know how this happened, but it, you know, something happened. People are, 
um, yeah, infertile. Yeah. Infer- that's babies are <laughs> babies are being born, and there's only like a, a uh, small uh, percentage of women who a actually small, have yeah. exactly a small, uh, yeah, a small percentage of handmaids who are forced to have children to these uh these men in higher powers in a higher power. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, that doesn't make sense. No, it, it does. <laughs> the words that I'm saying doesn't make sense, but yeah, and that's the and that's scary because you see in real time in you know our present day society things that are happening, right? Um, and and then you see what can happen in a weird way, and and this is based on a, a Margaret Atwood book that was written decades ago, yeah. right? And it's it's so astonishing how it's still it's it's ringing true. You know, to today, and it and it's scary, and that's my kind of dystopia. You know, I don't. You know, what happens when you have no rights as a woman because you're a woman like that? And then I don't know. Yeah, I can go on and on and on, but uh, I'm getting all excited (laughs) and hot and like warm and sweaty um, because it's really scary. That's definitely not the world that I want to live in. Would I survive in that kind of? um, Would I survive in the Handmaid's Tale? Would you curse of Randy? No, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. I. I would be. I no. Yeah. So one of the interesting like devices that they use is the uh, um, Elizabeth Moss's character is named Offred. Like sounds like a unique name. Yeah. But it actually means of Fred. Fred is. So the, that's one of the ways yeah. that these women were being be, be basically turned into property is that a like so if you've seen the ads of it you've seen like the the little the red cape and yeah. the white hat so it's crazy how that's how they control it like first they take away their names and then they take away the way that they dress mm-hmm. and then they're put in um like basically finishing schools but like this is how you're supposed to act as a right. woman it's like and then the irony of it again like we said like so you know the whole population is gone like and fertile and there's a, a small population of women that can actually breed or have have, have children you would think they would be like revered a, a commodity <laughs> not freaking property so that's what kills me too like uh you know i'm not trying to act all woke or whatever of course i'll never know the struggle of being a woman but i empathize and like that show is so rough like, it's I, hard to watch sometimes yeah. and you have to take breaks in between you it's definitely not a binger no, no. and that's why it's one of the re- the shows on hulu that they release every week one episode per week because a lot of the situations that these women, especially Elizabeth Moss's character, what she has to go through to fight for her life, for her family's life, to find her child and, you know, make her way back to her husband. It, it's, it's insane. Yeah, I've only seen the first one. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Oh my God. Anyway. So how long did you say you would last? Would, Thirty would you seconds. <laughs> you would fight. Forever. I I would I would get my credit card declined at Starbucks and <laughs> I would lose it and then someone will shoot me. <laughs> like give me my nitro cold brew again. <laughs> so thirty seconds. Yeah. Okay. Wow. H, how about you? Uh, I'm gonna do one quick uh, honorable mention before I go into my last one because I love both of these movies so much. Uh, but my honorable mention is Children of Men. Just oh, because yes. uh, it, it's that movie's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Full stop. That's it. <laughs> like it's super depressing, but it's it's pretty damn awesome. But the movie that I loved more than Children of Men is a sequel to another great movie, and the sequel is called Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Um, oh yeah. Because it's not it's not a zombie movie. Question it is a zombie <laughs> movie. But it's not a zombie movie. Apparently, it's not a zombie movie. But um, 
just because that the future where you have fast running zombies who are almost human still so they kind of remember stuff so they remember directions and how uh, fear works and everything um that scares me more than anything else like a literal future where there is particularly no hope and even the military have just given up so that is my favorite dystopian future movie 28 weeks later which is of course after 28 days later <laughs> and after both of those timelines nobody survives <laughs> And so my chance of prob- like survival probability less than zero. <laughs> Twenty eight weeks. <laughs> L- like I-, I would die faster than Sean Bean in a movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn. In Sean Bean years, that's <laughs> that's a long time. That is a long time. <laughs> uh, real quick, um, I know Harold talked about uh, honorable mention. I-, I know the two of you are part of the um, the book club. Um, have you guys ever watched uh, World War or read World War Z? No, of course. I've seen the movie. I've listened to the audiobook. Okay, yeah. so World War Z. If you've ever watched the movie, nothing, nothing like it. Yeah. World yeah. War Z. The the book is amazing because it basically, you know, how do you, how to describe it? It's it's correspondences from different like mm-hmm. newspaper, a uh, news, uh, you know, uh, newspapers or interviews and everything of what would happen if an if a quote unquote zombie pandemic actually happens. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how if you watch now, if you read it now, and think back to what's happened the last couple weeks, last couple of years, you're looking at it going son of a bitch. Yep, could happen. Could happen. Uh, you know, because in the book it talks about how, um, you know, one of my favorite parts of it is that, um, you know, you have it. It it, it starts traveling to, um, in the, through the Middle East and everything, and so you have Israel who's who's trying to like help Palestinians at least in this book, of course. If you are listening to us and you are like pro-Palestinian, we're not promoting the uh, Israelis. Or if you're Israeli, we're not promoting Palestinians. Either way, um, but in this book, um, it's, it's Israelis are trying to um, save them because they, you know, um, they know something's coming. They're trying to close uh, the borders so that none, none of these zombies can come in. But the thing is, because of politics, because of uh, prejudices and everything, the Palestinians are saying, "Oh, it's a trap. They're trying to get us, and they're gonna put us in the concentration camps, and they're gonna kill us, and everything." And it's just fascinating how just the politics that is involved in this book is like it makes perfect sense yes yeah, like we saw this oh my god <laughs> on cnn just last year oh. <laughs> just a few years ago <laughs> yeah see the ones that are more like realistic are the ones that are scarier more than anything yeah, yeah. Like we we already have our version of zombies they just are unvaccinated yeah. non-mask wearers <laughs> um have you been seeing my my wife and i have a term for it they're, they're we call them the zombies um have you seen people just walking while you're driving just walking uh, walking around yes it's crazy to me it's have, have you seen the, the of loop? course i work okay. downtown so yeah okay walk yeah around with that stuff i'm like mm, okay i'm gonna walk on the other side like, yeah like i'm guessing that's the case but it's just like yeah. you know it'll be like yeah. 11 o'clock at night you're driving all of a sudden you just see somebody just like walk in front of you or walks mm-hmm. and you're like oh crap and they just kind of look at you and then and then they just go by, they walk in and we're like, what, what's happening? Yeah. 
Like they didn't smell my brains through the car door. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God. They got the air freshener on. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, Lewis, thank you for that. Uh, that was actually really fun. I have to tell you, I was doubting your uh, your idea. But, you know, the, again, kind of like what we said, why not us? It is this mistrust. This <laughs> crab mentality. This crab mentality. Bringing, me bringing you down. And then all of a sudden realize maybe, just maybe, he actually has. Why won't you green light my FMA movie, Dennis? <laughs> <laughs> I sent you the treatment, Dennis. Well, on that note, I'd like to thank you guys for being so forthcoming with uh, with the discussion today. Um, this, once again, has been an episode of the Dorkiest Timeline, what I call the tangent of the two fanboys and a filthy casual podcast. My name is Krisha. This is Dennis. This is Lewis. My name is Carol. <laughs> and thank you so much for joining. We'll see you guys next month. Peace. Bye. <laughs>